Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles once again to the book of Ephesians. This time we're looking at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're steadily making progress uh, little by little uh, past where we've been uh, into the new sections, new parts of our study. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to look at the first couple of verses there and really uh, get stalled down on the first uh, verse or so, but uh, you'll understand when we get into this. So let's join together for prayer and ask God to, to bless us as we study. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we praise You and thank You for Your great love. We thank You for the, the privilege of being in Your house. We thank You, Lord, for the opportunity to study Your Word and, Lord, to have that Word come alive within our lives. Lord, we pray that You would help us as we seek to apply Your truths to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. And today we're looking at this uh, first few verses that are in Ephesians. And let's join together in reading uh, those first verses there. Uh, verses 1 through 7. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints." neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, no unclean person, no covetous man who is, who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience." Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Today I'm going to talk to you about uh, really at the beginning of this passage of Scripture uh, that's back in the first verse or so. Uh, we're going to look at that passage uh, there uh, in depth. And uh, what really we're getting at is, is that this is a passage about love, about uh, our daily walk, our walk in love, a walk in the uh, and we we've talked about a lot of different walks and w what we have to remember is is that uh, the terminology for walk is a pattern of life, a, a way of life, uh, 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 the the way in which we live. We talked about uh, in prior chapters about a walk in loneliness, a walk in humility. We talked about. Uh, how uh, we need to walk in unity. And uh, basically, we need to understand this is a passage that deals with uh, love. God is love. First John chapter 4 says, uh, God is love, and he that loves 
um, uh, knows God. And so if we love others, and see, a lot of people, they get hung up on this and they think, well, no, that, that means uh, if we love God. No, uh, this is basic love. This is a love that is... Uh, a general love. This is a love that is not uh, directed solely at God, but it says that God is love. And so what we have to understand is, is that God's love is not conditional. And so when it says God is love, and then it begins to talk about how we need to know love, it's not talking about just simply loving God because He's loving us. It's, it's, it's about mimicry, about being like God. Uh, the word there is uh, uh, a word that's mimst, mimst, M-I-M-T-S. It, it is uh, uh, the word for a follower, and it's the word that we get the word mimic from. And so uh, we're called to mimic God, to be like God. To, and, and there's a lot of people that say, well, I can't possibly be like God because God is holy, He's perfect, He's without sin. That's true, that's true. But we're called to be like God. We're called to, to try and be like God. Uh, for instance... Uh, a lot of times you think about uh, being like someone or being like something. You think about a little child that, uh, that is growing up. And let's, let's say uh, uh, a young couple has a son. And a lot of times that son will try and be like his father. And he'll maybe put on his uh, father's uh, shirt and tie and, and try and step in his shoes and, and walk in his shoes. And even though the shoes are are probably ten times too big, uh, even in spite of that, in spite of the fact that he can't wear it like his father, he's trying to be like his father and trying to do the things his father's doing. Uh, we're in the same way. We're nowhere close to being like God, but we ought to strive with everything in us to be like God, to str- uh, strive like uh, to be like God even in, spite, in spite of the fact that we're not. First Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16 says, But as He who hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of life, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Uh, this is a, a quotation from Leviticus chapter 11, verse 45, where it says to be holy like God is holy. Uh, so uh, this is a, a trend. This is a, a commandment that is not just simply in the New Testament. It, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. So we're called to be like God. And, and this is a daily walk. And like I mentioned before, uh, we talked about in chapter 4. where it, uh, And again, we talked about chapters 1 through 3 of sharing who we are as a people, sharing who we are in terms of God's plan and purpose for our life. And then we get to chapter 4, and chapter 4 is the beginning of telling us how to live it out, how to apply it to our lives. And so chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, uh, talks about us being humble, of, of living a life of humility. And then cha- uh, verses 4 through 16 talks about uh, unity, walking in unity and being united with each other. 17 through 32 is a different walk, to walk differently from the rest of the world and be different. Uh, in chapter 5, uh, these first seven verses talk about walking in love, walking like 
uh, God and love. In verse 8 it says that we're to walk in the light because He is in the light. Uh, verse 15 is about walking in wisdom. Uh, that we are to walk in His wisdom. And then uh, chapter 6 verse 10 is, is talking about a, uh, a walking in warfare, of walking during a time and living out our life in spite of the fact that we're uh, this new creation, we're going to face a warfare and that's the reason for our uh, need of a changed heart. So our heart is to be, uh, the heart of our walk is to be love, that we're to love uh, others and be imitators of God, that we're to be like God. It says here, be therefore followers of God as dear children. And we're to follow God. We're to be like God and walk in His love as Christ also has loved us. Uh, what we have in Christ is is found in, in chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians. It talks about we have a new uh, standing before God and we have a, a new life and a new righteousness. We have a new Father and we have a new inheritance, a new citizenship, a new master in God, a new freedom, a new victory over sin, a victory over death, a new security in Him, a new peace, a new unity, a new fellowship, a new joy, a new spirit, a new ability, a new power, a new uh, calling in our life, a new purpose, and a new love. And so we're, we're that's a lot of new things. And, and we come to this point of uh, living our life of love because of all those new things that we've been given in the first three chapters. Love is interwoven throughout our uh, life and in, in the things that we do. In chapter 1, love is interwoven in His predestining us and predestining us for uh, salvation, predestining us for His love. Love is also interwoven in chapter 2 and why uh, He showed us mercy. It says, For His great love wherewith He loved us. Uh, is His mercy is a result of His love. In chapter 3, we see that love is interwoven in Christ. Uh, uh, it says to know the love of God uh, or know the love of Christ which uh, passeth knowledge. Our whole position is predicated by love. And so we're all about love and about uh, our position with God because of love. Our New life is because of His love for us. It says, Now abideth these three, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. And so we're to live out a life of love. We're to live out a life of, uh, of being changed and transformed because of love. And so uh, I want to share with you four points today, four aspects of this uh, first seven verses that uh, you need to see. And, and we're going to look at uh, the first, at least the first one, uh, hopefully the first and second one, but we'll see how far we get. Uh, first, uh, the four points are uh, there is a plea. It says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. This is a plea of God. Then we see a pattern. Uh, walk in love as Christ also loved us and hath given Himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice. That's the pattern. Uh, we're to love others because Christ has loved us and has given Himself for us. And then we see the perversion uh, that comes about fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness. Look, look at all that uh, 
perversion, uh, all these things that we're not to be, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. We're not as saints not to have filthiness, neither filthiness or foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. And then there's a punishment. For this you know that no whoremonger, no unclean person, no covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God, a kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God. So we see then the, the final warning, the wrath of God comes upon those who have disobedience in their life. Uh, the wrath of God because of uh, uh, upon the children of disobedience, but be not ye therefore partakers in them. So the plea is is to live a life of love. First John chapter two verse twelve says, "My little children, He has forgiven you all of your trespasses for His name's sake." So God has loved us and has forgiven us because of His name's sake, because of His love for us and because of who He is. Colossians chapter 2 says, He has forgiven all your sin. Ephesians 1 says, In whom we have redemption of sin. This all forgiveness, all of this, uh, the place that we are in is because of His love. 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. All of this is by love. So I want you to look, first of all, at the word there that says, Be ye therefore. Whenever you come across a word like therefore, it is like a stop sign for you to put on the brakes and to take a look back at what you've just talked about. We've talked about this word, therefore and wherefore, before. And uh, so we, it says, be therefore. Why? Uh, what, what is he talking about? Well, what he's talking about is what's in verse 32. It says, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So uh, uh, go back to verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. It says let uh, uh, this all, how do we accomplish this? How do we get rid of all this bitterness? How do we get rid of all of this clamor? How do we get rid of wrath and anger and evil speaking? and putting it all away. It's through love. Uh, uh, the kindness and tenderheartedness and, and forgiving, how do we attain that? It's through love. And that's what he's telling us. The way in which we're able to do all of those things is because we are uh, children of God. He says, uh, as followers of God and His dear children, we walk in love. Love is forgiving. Love uh, is uh, has the ability of uh, allowing us not to be bitter, allowing us not to have resentment towards others, allows us not to have a, an evil heart towards others, helps us to be tenderhearted, helps us to be uh, kind, helps us to be generous, helps us to be all of these things. It's through his love. The lack of forgiveness equals bitterness. And so if we put all away the anti-love stuff, then we are able 
to do these things. We're able to live up to what God's expectation is for us. And remember, this is God's instruction to us on how we're to come into His place of where we're to be. Remember, we're not only predestined, but He is redeeming us. That's the work that God is doing in us. His redemption is accomplished through His love working into our lives, us being more like Him. So my question for you today is, is as you hear this plea to be loving towards others, is I, my desire is, is that we would stop for a moment in our life and measure our love today by the thought of forgiveness. We're to measure how we love others by how we're able to forgive. It says, uh, John 3.16 is, For God so loved the world that He planted some pretty flowers. No. God, for God so loved the world that He made the mountains look awesome and wonderful uh, in the sunset. No, no. For God so loved the world that, that He made the birds and the animals and, and everything so nice for us to be able to, to experience. No. For God so loved the world that He, he made uh, uh, nice things for us. No. God, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting. That's forgiveness. Love is measured by our ability to forgive. God's, ability, God's measurement of His ability to forgive us is that He was willing to give His Son to die on the cross for our sins, that we should have His love, that we should have His love within our lives. God's ability to forgive tells us that He loves us. As Christ forgave you, we're to love in that same measure. No matter how people have hurt you, no matter how someone has harmed me, no matter how someone has wounded me, this is, this is so, so profound. And it, 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 when it was pointed out to me in this study, I, I was awestruck. No matter how someone has hurt you or harmed you or wounded you or offended you or bruised you or wounded you or slandered you or crushed you or whatever it is, no matter what it is that has happened to you, you need to come to the understanding that Christ has already died on the cross for what they have done to you. God's love has already covered the sin of their harming you, hurting you, crushing you, slandering you, whatever it is. And so when they have sinned against you and against God, God has already forgiven them in that He has sent His Son to die on the cross for that sin. So when you're unforgiving, it's like you're saying, well, that wasn't enough. That Jesus' death on the cross was not enough for what they did for you. Even though Jesus was the only payment that would pay for our sins. The only payment that would suffice for all the sins of the world. And when, when Christ died on the cross... 
It was not the shed blood. It was not the, the demeaning. It was not all of those things. What God couldn't handle was the sin of, of the world being placed upon Christ. That was the hard part. But Christ took, He who knew no sin bore our sins on the cross for us. So all of those verses in John chapter 2, verse 12, and Colossians 2, and Ephesians 1, and 1 John 1, 9, all those things are all because He bore our sins on the cross. So we're to forgive others. Proverbs 10, 12 says, Love covers all sin. The way we're able to to forgive others when they've wronged us is the love of God in our life. The way, way we're able to not be bitter is the love of God within us. The way we are to be able to handle all of the pain and the difficulty of what's going on in our life when we're wronged is by the application of the love of God that is within us. 1 Peter 4.8 says that we are to stretch out His love. The word there for stretch is ectinit. It is a word that means to stretch to the very limits. To stretch to the very utmost. We're to love others. And, and our ability to forgive is based on His love being in our life. But the problem is that too often people that feel as though they don't have a sinful nature find it harder to forgive others. Harder to, to be a forgiving people. Those people that, that are full of sin have, have committed a life of sin and God has forgiven us. We know how to forgive because we, we understand forgiveness shown towards us. There's a beautiful passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 7. It's, it involves the comparison between two individuals, a Pharisee and a woman. Jesus has been invited to the house of a Pharisee to come and to eat and to dine at the table. And as Jesus and His disciples are reclining at the table, there's a uh, a, a woman that comes in and and she begins to cry at the feet of Jesus and her tears stream down her face and fall upon the, the feet of Jesus. And her tears wet His feet and she takes her hair down out of the bun and, and uses her hair to, to clean the feet of Jesus. And then she begins to kiss the feet of Jesus in admiration and in love. And, and then she takes the most prized possession that she has. It's, it's a, uh, uh, <coughs> a part of her dowry that's meant to be saved for the time in which she is united in marriage and for a special occasion and it. It's an alabaster jar that's been saved for all of her life for that special moment when she comes together in marriage and she takes that 
prized possession and she wantonly breaks it open and pours out its uh, sweet contents upon the feet of Jesus and anoints His feet. And in the heart of the Pharisee, the Pharisee's sitting there and he's judging the woman. He's judging Jesus. And he says, if Jesus really was a prophet of God, if Jesus really was the man of God that he says, he would know what kind of woman that she is and he would never, never allow her to touch him because she's filthy. She's full of sin. And here's the thing. Jesus knew what was going on within his heart. And that's the scary thing because I, I love it when Jesus does this. He reads the heart of the individual and he answers them out loud. He says to the Pharisee, when I came into your home, you didn't, you didn't wash my feet. When I came into your home, you provided no uh, greeting, uh, no kiss. When I came into your home, you, not, you didn't allow any ointment for my head, but ever since I've entered into this place, this woman who is full of sin has done nothing but extend to me the kindness that you have not shown. And he says, he tells a, a parable to the, to the Pharisee and he said, there's two men who owed a great debt. One owed one denarius. The other owed 50 denarii. He says uh, to the Pharisee, he says, uh, uh, that debt was forgiven when it came due. He said, which one was more grateful? And the Pharisee said, well, the man who owed more. And he said, this woman knows forgiveness for greater her transgressions, but because of her actions, she is forgiven. The whole moral of the story is, is that she's been forgiven her great sin was forgiven because and and because of that she had a greater understanding of forgiveness she had the ability to love but self-righteousness kept the pharisee from seeing how much god loved him his self-righteousness kept him from seeing the depths of god's love and because of that he was not as gracious and grateful for what God had done for him. Robert Falconer tells a story, a true story about being amongst some of the most poor and destitute people. Many of those drug addicts and prostitutes, people who are the dregs of society. And as he was sharing this story of forgiveness... A woman approached him with hair that was falling out and hair that uh, her whole body had been racked by her addictions and by her lifestyle. And she began to cry to Robert Falconer and she says, I understand that he is to return quickly. And she began to cry and say unintelligible words until he realized what she was saying. That She said, 
she was hopeful that Christ would tarry until her hair grew long enough because she wanted to do the same for Jesus and His feet because of the depths of God's love. We're to be forgiving people. We're to follow in the footsteps of forgiveness. We're to forgive others for what they have done for us as an expression of God's love. And you say, well, well, and God's love is throughout Scripture, even, even something as, as uh, 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 difficult for many to understand as the Ten Commandments. And if you turn over to Exodus chapter 20 where the Ten Commandments are given, I, I want to point out something to you that will blow your mind and blow you away. The Exodus chapter 20, the, the Israelites are coming out of bondage in Israel and they're uh, coming into the wilderness to worship God. And you have to remember these individuals had been in bondage and slavery for over 400 years and they'd been in captivity in Egypt and had in the process deviated from their belief of God and they had worshipped the Egyptian gods along with the worship of God, uh, uh, the God of Abraham. And God was trying to set them straight in terms of, of understanding who He was and understanding His under uh, his way of how they should live. And, and in the process of, of setting them apart, once again, He gave them the Ten Commandments. And for so many people, the Ten Commandments is a stumbling block because it's don't do this and don't do that and don't do this and, and don't live this way and live that kind of way and, and don't do that. And, and for so many people, they, they say, I, I can't live in a religious system that focuses on the negative. But I want you to see that really the Ten Commandments is a focus on God's love. It is a, a, a commandments of love. And I want you to understand this, that the Ten Commandments is broken up in two sections. It's, uh, the first section of four <coughs> commandments is about our relationship towards God. The last six are about our relationship to each other. And they each build off of one another. If we're able to accomplish uh, the, one, uh, the first, we're able to then accomplish the second. And, and they're given to us to help us to understand how much we need a Savior and how much we need God to change our lives and transform us because we can never live up to uh, these expectations. But I want you to see that these commandments are really commandments of love. It says, and this is how God was demonstrating who He is and what is love. He said, and God spake these words saying, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. This is a description of love, each one of these. And He says, first of all, love is loyal. You need to be people of love that are loyal to me and faithful. He says, Thou shalt have no other gods. That's a, a, a faithfulness. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. That's loyalty. Loyalty to God and God alone. Don't make an image of anything on the earth or above the earth or under the earth or, or anywhere else. 
Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them or serve them. This is all about loyalty to God because of His love for us and how we should love Him. It says in verse 6, "...and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love Me and keep My commandments." It says, "...thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain." This is reverence. Love is reverent to God. It's reverent to the fact that God expects us to be reverent towards His, Him and His love for us. The Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This is an intimacy. God says, I want you to be intimate with me. Therefore, you are to keep a day specially set aside to, to be with God and to, to be reverent towards God. And then the next uh, ones are, are in relation to our relation to each other as people. He says, uh, uh, after he talks about keeping the Sabbath day holy, he says in verse 12, Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord has given thee. We are to be respectful towards our parents. Love is respectful. And it says, Thou shalt not commit a murder. Love is supposed to be harmless. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Love is to be pure. Thou shalt not steal. Love is to be self, uh, unselfish. We ought not to, to desire the things of others or be uh, upset at at the fact that someone else has something that we don't, we're to be unselfish. And rather than taking, we're to give. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Love is truthful. Love only desires to, to express the truth. And thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house or his belongings. We're, love is to be content with what we have. So we're to live out these attributes of love in that these are descriptions of God's love towards us and how we're to love others as an example of His love in us. All of this is related to His love. Love is, is, is not desiring only for ourselves. It's love is giving and love is, is gracious. Really, when you get down to it, the way in which we are not bitter, not filled with anger, not clamoring and having evil speech and showing malice is that we have love. The way that we're able to have tenderheartedness and forgiving, even as Christ has forgiven us, is to have love. So we're to love as Christ has loved us and given of Himself for us as a sacrifice, as a sweet-smelling savor. The whole aspect of the sweet-smelling savor is, is related to the offerings that were outlined in Leviticus, the offerings that were supposed to be given. 
And all the offerings related to uh, uh, worshiping God were said to be of sweet smelling. It was only the offering for sin and transgression that was foul before God. All the other offerings were sweet, savoring smell before God. We're to have the kind of love in our life that, and sacrifice, the sacrifice of our lives is a way of worshiping God. And so we're going to look at, at these aspects of God's love in our life and we're to have a loving spirit, have a, a loving life, a life that is centered around the love that God has shown us expressing His love to a world that really we have to admit what's lacking in the world today is God's love. What's lacking in this world today is a willingness of people to set aside the things of their own desires and be willing to love others. We need to be the kind of people that, that are forgiving, are gracious and accepting of others non-discriminating and non-callous uh, uh, towards others because the love that we have in our life, the love that God has shown us and the love that we're expressing to others as an outpouring of what God has shown us. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we praise You and we exalt You for all that You are and we thank You for expressing to us Your love. We thank You for showing to us the love that we need to have in our life. Lord, help us to walk in love. Help us to walk in the pathway that demonstrates Your love in a world. Help us to be a people of love. A love that transforms us and changes us as a part of Your redemptive power in our lives to make us into the creation You'd have us to be. Lord, help us to demonstrate that love and being willing to give ourselves totally and completely over to others as an expression of being like Christ. As You gave Yourself for others, Lord, help us to give ourselves for You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.